Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a a, a different angle on things. I wanted to give an opportunity for a patient story and a little expert angle on patient story that we're going to be sharing today. I've got Elizabeth Vines and Dr. Denise Yardley. So uh, Elizabeth was uh, just 35 years old and caring for her six-year-old son when she felt a small lump in her breast. Initially misdiagnosed, she got a second opinion at Mayo Clinic Hospital Phoenix, where she learned she had stage 3B breast cancer, HER2 positive. That's uh, human epidermal growth factor receptor 2. We've got Dr. Yardley, who's going to dive in a little bit deeper to tell us and educate us a little bit more on what that is. But Elizabeth basically had an aggressive form of the disease that required treatment ASAP. She was overwhelmed until she chose to participate in Genentech's Access Solution Program, which helped her fund her HER2 targeted treatment regimen. Thanks to this decision, Elizabeth credits Genentech for giving her her life back, her and her care team. And uh, it's a pleasure to have her on the podcast. Uh, A little bit on Dr. Denise Yardley. She joined Sarah Cannon in 2000. She's a senior investigator, breast cancer research program at Sarah Cannon Research Institute. She's a senior investigator in the breast cancer research program. In this role, she serves as principal investigator on numerous breast cancer clinical trials. So she's very knowledgeable in this. She's also recipient of the American Cancer Society Oncology Career Development Award and many more. So it's a big pleasure to have you both on the podcast today. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I want to get the podcast started by, number one, just saying welcome and asking both of you to, to sort of give an intro on, on how you got here through your experience with cancer. So let's start there. So why don't we kick it off with you, Elizabeth, and then Denise, uh, you could follow. Okay. So do you want to know about how I came to have um her two positive cancer. So back when I was uh, 35 years old, you know, I felt a, a small lump in about February of 2014. And I was kind of shy to show my family doctor about it. And I finally did about a few weeks later, I made an appointment and she kind of told me it was really nothing to worry about. So, you know, I just sort of took that at face value and kind of went about my life. And several months later, in about September, all of a sudden I noticed it started to really sort of rapidly grow and it grew um, to the size of about half a lemon within, I'd say about six weeks. So immediately I went back to his office and, you know, showed him and he was completely, I thought it was a cyst a hundred percent and told me I really, you know, shouldn't be concerned, you know, but at this point I said, well, what's the next step? And he said, well, you can have an ultrasound, you know, but you really don't need it. So I went for an ultrasound and so I have the ultrasound report even now to this day and it, and it says it was all cystic components, but I kind of really pushed for an appointment with a, a surgeon because I wanted this, you know, monstrosity off of me. So I ended up um, waiting another month and having an appointment at my local hospital's breast clinic. And the doctor there seemed very concerned when she first saw me, which is super a good sign. And she sent me for um, a mammogram right there. And within 20, 30 minutes, they're telling me that I have cancer and an advanced cancer, which was 
you know, a huge, huge shock. Yeah. And it turns out that HER2 positive cancer does grow like that. That, you know, but everything I'd read online had said that, you know, cancer is very slow growing. And, you know, so everything my doctor was saying really kind of had made sense at the time. So it was, it was a big shock. Definitely. Definitely. And when you get into this type of situation, I mean, it's, it's definitely tough. Uh, so Dr. Yardley, maybe you could fill us in a little bit about your experience with this, how it grows so fast, why? We'd love to hear your angle on it. Sure. I think oncology and specifically the subtype of breast cancer, just now having the knowledge and the ability to classify breast cancers into separate subtypes so we can really make appropriate treatment decisions uh, has been something that's happened during my career. Um, the, the whole story about HER2 has evolved to now really understanding what that means. And so I think Elizabeth's story is exactly what we knew about HER2 positive breast cancers once we were able to identify that. And to step back, what that means or the picture I kind of discuss with my patients is if you think of a, a cancer cell, and I always try to give a picture of, of what this thing or entity of HER2 is, is it's sort of like a, a flagpole or an antenna on the surface of the tumor cell. Some normal cells have this, but in a much reduced quantity, maybe two or three in comparison to a HER2 supercharged tumor cell, which may have thousands to a million of these antennas or flagpoles sitting on the surface of their cells. And what the purpose of this HER2 flagpole is, is it's supercharged to capture any growth signal or stimulus in the patient's body. So different factors that can stimulate tumor growth. Or as I talk to patients, it's like a, a flag. It's just floating around in the body. It finds the cell that has a thousand or a million of these flagpoles and these flags bind to it and stimulate growth. And so just as Elizabeth's story, this type of breast cancer is just sitting there waiting for these growth signals with all the ability to capture every little one that goes by and results in a very rapid cell growth. I think the exciting part for myself as a, a medical oncologist, I'm clinical, is the fact that during my course of oncology, I have been able to see the ability to describe that type of cancer, but that wasn't very helpful and other than letting patients know, yes, this isn't an aggressive cancer, but patients often were very aware because they were experiencing this. But we were able to really see a partnering now of the science of understanding what this is in a HER2 positive cancer and seeing how our pharmaceutical partners were able to take that science and develop a very specific drug. So that drug, the, the initial and first drug for the, the HER2 positive breast cancers was a drug called Herceptin, developed by Genentech. And you can kind of think of Herceptin as a flag. So these tumor cells that have a thousand flagpoles waiting for a growth signal, Herceptin was like a flag that attached to these flagpoles and blocked the ability of the growth signal to sit on that flag and signal tumor growth. And so in 1998, 
the first HER2 specific drug was approved. And since then, we've had many more as a welcome addition to be able to treat patients with HER2 positive breast cancer. But that particular science coupled with the ability to develop a drug has now changed that whole prognosis of patients coming in with a HER2 positive, supercharged, rapidly growing aggressive breast cancer into being so unique to have a specific medicine that really turns all of that off. And that's been the most exciting part of my career is to be able to see that medicine, see it in action in a patient, participate in some of the trials, and now see us welcome three and four and five new drugs that are only specific for those HER2-positive breast cancers. Yeah, that's uh, super fascinating. Yeah. yeah, never understood the way this worked. The flagpole analogy was a brilliant way of explaining that. Uh, Elizabeth, you were about to say something? Yes, exactly. What Denise just said is when I um, first found out that I had cancer, I didn't initially know that it was HER2-positive uh, for the first three weeks. So when I had my biopsy done, they told me I had cancer and the biopsy came back as estrogen receptor positive and progesterone receptor positive, but the HER2 test was still out. So I wasn't sure. So when I actually went to Mayo Clinic for a second opinion, because my local hospital couldn't see me until after Christmas, and it was only the end of November. Apparently, getting cancer around the holidays here is very inconvenient. We went to Mayo Clinic, and they had, that was the first thing they said was that one of my tests was out, but it had been rapidly spreading. It was now in my lymph nodes. I had an enlarged uh, lymph node in my armpit, and so they wanted to start me on a base chemotherapy. So I did uh, two, one round of base chemotherapy, and then uh, when the HER2 test came back, it actually came back the morning of my second round of chemo. And so they talked about adding these drugs, which is sort of a lot to take in at the time. But right. you know, my oncologist said that this is actually a good thing. He said, other than cost of drugs, these drugs will save your life, and that we've had excellent responses with these types of drugs, and they wanted to add in uh, Herceptin and Progetta and that I would have six rounds of those drugs and then I would have uh, we would wait a month and have surgery and then continue on Herceptin for the rest of the year every three weeks but it was really amazing to see you know as by the time I had my third round of chemo my tumor was virtually gone I went from having this huge growth on the side of me to it wasn't even you couldn't even feel it anymore so I really knew that these drugs and my treatment was working, which is exactly what you want to see when you're <laughs> a cancer yeah. patient. No, that's yeah. beautiful. No, thanks for sharing that, Elizabeth. And yeah, I mean, when you're in that situation and, you know, you call it out, Elizabeth, you know, you're in the holidays, things get hectic. If you have a HER2 cancer that's growing so fast, I mean, you need to get in there, get treated ASAP. So definitely a nerve wracking experience, but thankfully, as, uh, as Dr. Yardley mentioned, we, the science has, has advanced to the point where we're now being able to understand and categorize the different types of cancers out there and respond to them in such a way that will help us knock them out effectively. So thinking about the solutions, I know there was an element here, Elizabeth, where you at the time maybe didn't have insurance. 
Yes, I didn't have insurance, which was a huge, huge factor for me. You know, when we first went to Mayo Clinic, you know, to even start to get an opinion to sort of get the ball rolling, I had, you know, every intention of coming back to my hometown and doing my treatment here once they could see me. But the big thing here where where I live was they couldn't offer me, they wouldn't offer me Progetta. And I was told by my oncologist that this was extremely important for somebody my age, my tumor size, to, you know, fight it with all that we could. So we literally packed up moved to Arizona, bounced around between how, you know, relatives' houses and hotels until we could find somewhere to rent and live. And my son at the time was four years old and we took him out of school and it was it was hard to move there. And then not only to have, you know, a life threatening illness, all of a sudden without insurance and, you know, we're thinking that that things are pretty grim financially that we're probably gonna have may have to sell our house. Who knows what's going to happen? And, the, you know, the drugs are new and they're quite expensive. And the beginning of my diagnosis, I really didn't know too much about my diagnosis. My husband was like a total champ and he read everything about it and knew everything. And about six weeks into my treatment, I really started to kind of want to know. And I felt like the shock was over. And so I actually Googled the drugs I was taking, Herceptin and Progetta, and I saw a link on their website that said about their Access to Care Foundation, Access Solutions. And at first I thought, no, that can't be right. You know, it sounds too good to be true kind of thing. And I waited a couple of days and I filled everything out online and I printed it out. And so since mine was about four years ago now, things are, I think now you can do everything online. But back then I printed the facts and got my doctor's office to fill out their portion of medical necessity. And all of a sudden on my, uh, my last day of treatment, they called me and said that I was approved. And I just couldn't believe it that I was you know, that they were going to pay for my drugs from now on. And I told them that we had actually um, already paid for the first six treatments and they ended up backdating it to the beginning of my treatment, which was amazing. amazing. And even the people at Mayo Clinic had never heard of the foundation, like, and they were just blown away. And like, I wish I had Googled it sooner. It was definitely, you know, I felt like I was too hard hit to do so much research initially, but I'm just so, like, it was just such an amazing gift. I just started sort of getting teary on the phone with the gentleman that called me from Genentech to tell me that. And, you know, it sort of just took this huge burden off that, mm -hmm. you know, now I wasn't worried about what was going to happen financially as much, you know, other parts of treatment are still expensive, but the chemo drugs were, you know, what I really needed. And it was just, it was amazing to know that when I go to the hospital, that all I had to do was pay for my infusion fee. And that was it. Yeah, that's amazing. It's a uh, hand came out of the sky and sort of gave you that uh, assistance, this Genentech's uh, access solutions program. We'll put a link on the show notes for that. For those listening that are intrigued or interested in learning more, Thanks for sharing that, Elizabeth. Yeah. So, Dr. Yardley, you're a frontline practitioner and also researcher. What do you want to share with the listeners as, as sort of things to keep in mind as, as they uh, take care of themselves and also if they've found something uh, that they need to address? So, I, you know, I think there's lots of things to kind of keep in mind. I think perceptin and, and the understanding of the, the HER2 biology of a cancer cell and the ability of, to link that with a medicine was just really pivotal 
in breast cancer. You know, the, the only real targeted therapy we'd had prior to that was the endocrine or the hormone blocking medications. And so now we've just seen that that door really open um, to continue to welcoming. And what I get to see as a investigator is taking the power of that HER2 targeted therapy or therapies from Genentech and now seeing how we can improve upon that. And, you know, one of the important things is these two drugs, Herceptin and Pergetta, are not chemo drugs. They're biologic targeted agents with a very favorable profile. And that's led now to the development of a drug that is sort of a compound of those with chemo and the HER2 targeted therapy all together. But what's unique is it's very much like Herceptin. It's a flag that binds to the flagpole and gets taken down like a flag would and released inside of the cell. So we're able to spare patients the side effects of chemotherapy because it's released actually inside of the cell. So there's hmm. one drug that just got a- approved in the advanced HER2 patients that are in clinical trials for early stages like Elizabeth. So, you know, I think what we're learning is now trying to de-escalate therapy and just provide the amount that a a patient needs and trying to improve upon the side effects, trying to, you know, now that we have these two non-chemo drugs and we understand the biology, we're really exploring trying to move away from chemotherapy. It's very active, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it does have some inherent side effects. So I think we're real excited about that. And I would say also, um, for those that are interested in the HER2 story, Harry Connick Jr. was in a movie, a Lifetime movie. I mean, I think that's just the fascination with this whole science and industry link in improved patient outcomes called Living Proof. Mm. And it's it's with Dr. Slayman, who I know and we've all worked in the breast cancer community, who provided the story in a Lifetime movie format of how that science came to being to a drug. It's a great movie. Um, and I share that with my HER2 patients just to really, in our lifetime, this, this has happened and so dramatically changed the patient's outcomes and decreased the poor outcomes by 50%, just dramatic with a non-chemo drug. And so, you know, I think there's every bit of hope for patients because the science is so well understood and our industry is really helping us develop very smart, targeted therapies to continue to improve the outcomes of patients facing a diagnosis of breast cancer. Super exciting for sure, Dr. Yardley. And yeah, I mean, just knowing the advancements that are being made, potentially you may not even have to have chemo. I mean, there's some great stuff happening here. I definitely am excited to hear the developments and and even the, you know, think about the future, you know, where Cancer mm-hmm. will be just like something that's routinely removed. It's just exciting. I've really enjoyed this conversation a lot. We're here at the end of, of the podcast. So what I'd love to do is, is ask you both for your closing thoughts. Um, you know, so please, uh, Elizabeth, let us know. What, what do you want to leave the listeners with? And then Denise, Dr. Yardley, we'll, we'll uh, end it with you. Well, my biggest uh, call to action would be to be an advocate for your own health. If something doesn't feel right to say something and push for their opinion. And if you are diagnosed with cancer, uh, look into all of your options available. And there's life-saving drugs out there like Genentech makes for my type of cancer that is 
totally saved my life and I wouldn't have had them otherwise if I hadn't, you know, gone the extra mile and got a second opinion and had such a fabulous outcome from the drugs that I received. Great. So that would be my advice. Great message there. And you said the extra mile and one of my favorite things you folks know (laughs) that I always say, there's no traffic in the extra mile. So when you feel like you're getting to the end there, (laughs) go that extra mile, there's absolutely no traffic. (laughs) Yes, I know. Dr. Yardley? Sure. I would just really echo and put a plug in for, you know, really as Elizabeth did and sought out, you know, additional opinions. I think that's of paramount importance to a patient. And I would underscore that with asking physicians about clinical trials. The clinical trials that are available these days are so different from, I think, some of the historical mindsets where you really get the opportunity of either standard of care or standard of care plus a potential bonus card that can mm-hmm. continue to improve the outcomes. And so I think the design of the trials now are just fantastic where you either get what you would get ordinarily or the potential of an additional drug. So having participated in the chemo versus chemo plus Herceptin and seeing Herceptin approved approved in early stage patients in 2005, having participated in those Progetta trials um, and seeing them come to FDA approval initially 2012 for advanced patients. And then in, in Elizabeth's setting, that just happened in 2015 based on patients who were willing to participate in these trials and and help really move the progress in treating HER2 positive patients and improving the outcomes for all patients now. And so, you know, I'd always say, ask if there's a clinical trial that you might be eligible for or get the information to see if that's something that would potentially be of benefit to you. What great piece of information there, Dr. Yardley. Thanks for your expertise. Elizabeth, thanks for sharing your experience. And thank you both for taking your time to be with us today. We will definitely be uh, looking to stay in touch. And uh, again, a big thanks for joining us. Thank great. you. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.